You believe me, dude. If you saw me kick a football in high school, you would be like, dude, you can do whatever you want. Welcome to True Blue with Mike Viv and LPG. So look, the, the, the next guy we're having on here should be known to all Giant fans everywhere uh, for one sentence. You know it. I know it. The whole New York Giant fan base knows it. We're going to the motherfucking Super Bowl. I mean, for, for the rest of his days on this earth, and even when he's somewhere up in heaven, he's going to be like, hey, you're that guy. Yeah, that's that guy. Bring Weatherford's ass out here, man. I love this dude. Let's go. Without further ado, Mr. Steve Weatherford. There he is. Yeah, I just, I just, I just felt like that was like a Bud Light commercial. Ah, that's how alpha males communicate, man. We just make noises. Uh, dude, they told me that you were on the show. They didn't tell me that you were going to be like on it with me. Is this your show? Uh, it's it's both of yep. us. Mike reached out to me a while ago. We've been planning something like okay. True Blue for a while, and uh, right. and you know what? It's it's going pretty well. And you know, when we get guests like you, uh, there's no way I'm not coming on. Come on, man. Appreciate that. It's good to see your face, man. How's your wife doing? Everybody's good, man. Same right back at you with your family. I follow you religiously. No on, pun man. intended on your yeah. social media. I got to tell you, man. <laughs> You offer so much more outside of the game of football now mm. that that amazes people. So you go you go from this little world of football, which is not so little, to mm. this tremendous, tremendous reach that you have now. So kudos to you and, and, and what a you, great man. family you have. Yeah, nice. dude, thank you, man. Appreciate that honor, Joe. Uh, Steve, my sister today was like, oh, awesome. You have you haven't weatherford on? I love Rara. <laughs> yeah, man, uh, Hey, we got a lot though. We got, you know what, dude? We got something to offer everybody, man. Dude, it's awesome to be on the show. Joe, I love you. Mike, thank you for having me. <laughs> the Mighty 300 is, has come along recently-ish in your, in, in your uh, endeavors. Yeah. And, so yeah. and it's very uh, spiritual, motivational, like group that you're putting together. You're building sure. this brand. Um, let's talk about that. Before we get into some deep giant stuff, yeah. let's, let's, let's start with oh, man, your, yeah. your, your recent stuff. So, so what Mike's talking about Mighty 300 is, is when this pandemic started, I think we we're all pretty, I mean, I think to say shocked is an understatement, but we we're all kind of freaked out initially. You know, I don't necessarily think we were shocked. I think for me and a lot of my friends were like, oh, two or three weeks, no way that they're not going to do like an NBA season and no way we were thinking about, you know, changing the NFL season. So point being is I think we we're all kind of, uh, like a little shock, like what the heck's going on? And so as an entrepreneur, I wasn't really sure what stance to take on social media, you know, because I got a supplement company and I want to grow that. And, you know, I'm passionate about helping people, but it didn't feel right to sell there. So I'm literally just praying and I'm like, God, I don't really know what to use this huge platform that you've given me, you know, like, like, what do I do with this? I feel like making money right now is totally the wrong move. Even though I have like supplements that help with immunity, I still don't even feel right. What I feel like the spirit of the Lord told me, man, without getting like super holy was just like, share what you're doing, you know, like with my son, because I get so many direct messages uh, from dads and, you know, single moms and man, I'm super fortunate. It's not like I'm like some expert or anything, but I feel like um, the way I kind of maybe unedited 
share my life and what I'm doing. Not that it's the perfect way, but I do believe that I have structure and I have order, almost kind of like an assembly line of predictable success. And when I say predictable success for my family, it's really just about building confidence. I mean, I feel like as fathers, that's like the number one thing I think that we can do you know, for little girls, but for little boys as well is like, Hey man, like maybe, maybe as fathers, me and Joe fail at <clears throat> helping our, our kids figure out what their gift is. But if we don't fail at empowering them with the confidence to continue to try to figure out what that thing is and continue, continue to, you know, to maybe to press in even to 32, 33 years old in, in that discovery mode of trying to figure out what is life for me? What is my gift? Where should I go? What is my passion? Um, but I feel like they, they, maybe they get discouraged because maybe somebody else finds their gift and, and it's easy to see like athletic people find their gift at like 19 or 18 or 17, because you could see it, you know what I mean? And so I don't want to like completely get off topic, but essentially what I believed I felt like God was telling me was like, dude, just share how you are helping your kids discover their gift. Because to me as like a leader in my home and a leader in my business. And, you know, I, I also, uh, you know, coach some elite CEO type guys, you know, one-on-one -on -one, kind of like this type of stuff, because I don't, I'm not going to teach them how to do their business better, but man, dude, I really do feel like I'm really gifted and at, at, at helping you identify what you want, what we really want, and then reverse engineering the process and the structure and the order and the accountability and the wisdom required to, you know, continually move forward every day. And I feel like that's what really like mentorship and, and having the greatest example of mentorship is a dad, you know, like the greatest example of mentorship is you are able to help somebody get somewhere that you got in less time. That's what being a teacher is really all about. Like Tom Coughlin was able to help bring the best out of me when it mattered most. That's a supreme mentor. And so being exposed to men like that in my life, when I felt like I heard God say, Hey, sure what you're doing. I started mighty 300 as a zoom a pretty much like morning devotional, you know, it, it first began as me like just opening up the father son devotional that me and my son were doing and like literally reading it off of the words for like the first three days. And then I just like, I was like, you know what, I feel like, I feel like I've got more to give than what somebody else wrote, you know, like I have a story to tell I have, man, I have such a journey of overcoming so many adversities and um, and stories that people want to hear. So then I kind of got a little bit more courage and I started to share more of my own stuff, not just what I'm reading in a book with my son. Uh, then it got a, a little bit more intimate all the way to the point where, dude, we ended up on like Fox 5 uh, New York because I called Roseanne and I said, man, I know like men and families, they, they need something to wake up to. And so essentially what we did is five days a week, Monday through Friday, um, I put together like a 30 minute message where I, I, I shared a message. We had some prayer time. And then after the 30 minute devotional, uh, I took everybody out there to, uh, to a little, I got a little grass area in my backyard and we did a 30 minute uh, body weight exercise um, with them. We called it like a couple of the exercises were called like deck of pain where we'd flip over a deck of cards and, you know, depending on what suit it was and what number it was, that was the exercise and the amount of reps you had to do. So the reason I, I, I say all those things to say, is I believe I'm, I'm stepping into a, a new season of my life because I just jumped, you know? And it's kind of like, I feel like it's the same thing for any other area of my life. Sorry to turn this into like some motivational talk, but uh, I think there's things bigger than football. And, and the reason you guys know me is because of football. But if, if I could borrow a little bit of your time, really just kind of talk about what to me is truly important. And, and if there's any takeaway, I believe 
uh, for people listening to this is like, man, freaking go for it. The only, the only reason you guys even know who I, what I am right now is because there was a, our varsity football coach walked over <clears throat> to the soccer field. I was 14 years old. I was 108 pounds. He walked up to our coach and asked him, he's like, Hey, do you got anybody out here uh, that could kick field goals? You know, our senior just left and we need a punter and a kicker. And so he, I remember, you know, he pointed over to the, the far field and he said, Hey, the, you know, the, the skinny kid on the far field, he said, okay. So he started walking that way. And as he got up to the third field, he looked back at the coach. He was like, this guy, you know? And I was like, yeah, yeah, that's him. And so he asked me, he said, kick a, you know, kick that soccer ball as far as you can. Boom. You know, it just flew off my foot. Um, he said, Hey man, I'd like for you to come out and try to kick with the, with the football team at field goals. Dang. And he's like, it's pretty easy. He's there's no goalie and the ball's standing still. I'm like, yeah, no big deal. So I remember the, the first time going out there, I was actually scared to death. And the only reason I really wanted to go out there is because I wanted to wear the Jersey to school on Friday. You know what I mean? Like that's a freaking, that's a deal. You know what I mean? I'm in Terre Haute, Indiana. And, um, and football's it, you know, and I'm 108 pounds. And so I'll never forget my first practice. They put the football helmet on my head. I look like a golf ball sitting on a golf tee. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, and I remember being so freaking nervous because they threw me out there with the varsity, right? Snap the ball and, and the long snapper, I'll never forget him. 255 pounds. And this time I'm 108. Uh, 255 pounds. His name's Mike Canada. Chews tobacco during football practice. I mean, this guy's a real hard ass, you know, snaps. And he was a senior captain. Snaps the ball. Holder puts it down. I was so nervous. That ball never got 18 inches off of the ground and smacked Mike Canada right in the left ass cheek. And he chased me off of the field. And I say all of those things to say, uh, if you don't remember any of our time here together, freaking take chances. Scroll through your Instagram today. Uh, and on January 13th, you posted an Instagram. This is before any of the pandemic. And it said, the quote was, like an inspirational quote, if you don't have the resources, you have to get resourceful. And it's just amazing that however many weeks later, we the whole world changes. You have to pivot on what you're doing. You don't want to, like you said, try to sell stuff to people when they don't, you know, when, when times are, are right. tough, you know, pivot on that. Now you're doing this. So it's really amazing that, or apropos that that was the quote that you posted then. And six weeks later, it all comes gotta to get, fruition. You got to get resourceful. You got to get resourceful yeah. in everything in resourceful. Hey, Mike, you're, hey, you're, hey, Mike. you're doing, you know, teaching your family and, and business and everything. Mike, what did I tell you before he got on that once he starts, Steve, Again, we do know you as a football player, okay? Mm -hmm. And I might know you as a father and a husband a little bit more than the next fan, only mm -hmm. because we became friendly and knew each other for years. But I still always saw you as a football player and a Super Bowl champion. It wasn't until you visited my school. Mm -hmm. And when I invited you to the school, I was just telling Mike this off the air. You came to the school. I brought you into my office. You were going to go talk to the kids at the school. And I came into my office and I was like, hey, Steve, let me tell you about this story in San Francisco. And you're like, Joe, I need 10 minutes, bro. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what? You know, I need to get, prepare myself. And I'm like, you're just going to talk to the kids. Mm -hmm. And you're like, yeah, I know. And you went into the office, closed the door. You had your pad and your pen. And mm -hmm. I said to Mike, I'm like, right then. Ah. I'm you, the and I'm serious, the preparation that you take, 
not because you you don't just go someplace and and go off the cuff you want to bring a message regardless whether it's social media regardless whether it's a podcast regardless whether you're talking to 50 kids or 100 kids like you did at my school whatever message you are bringing it has to have a point to it so so i told mike i knew it and look the first question you already got us sitting at the edge of our seats like what's he gonna say now how's he gonna inspire us next so so i know you much more now you you bring so much more to the table after football and you should know thank that. you thank you man if i i receive hold on one second mike man i just wanted to tell you joe i received that honor and uh Really, what I feel like you're, you're, I'm hearing you say, man, is just the, uh, the, this is what I like to see when I, what I like to call it when I see it in other men is just a spirit of excellence. You know, I mean, that's really at the end of the day, that's what it is. It is how I do anything is how I do, or how, how I do anything is how I do everything. Uh, there's a quote, it's my favorite quote of all time. To give anything less than your best is by Steve Prefontaine. To give anything less than your best is to sacrifice the gift. So it could be really easy for me. And I'm not just saying this just to gloat. I, I really just want you guys to like maybe and the listeners to understand where that comes from. Because if you're really just doing it for the result, meaning like, well, I'm going to be my best if there's this many people, or I'm going to be my best if I feel like I can get something from Joe on the other side of it. Yeah. And, and that, that to me, when you live your life that way, that, that's like living your life with, re- I call it reciprocity. You know, like mm-hmm. give to get type of thing. And, and, and if, if you can practice this and, and get your reprogram your mind this way, when, when you do something for someone and maybe show up to speak and, and you show up there with the spirit of excellence because you want those kids and you want, like for you, Joe, I wanted you to experience what excellence is. I knew that you had had a 50 50 incredible athletes come in there. I knew that they were going to be better athletes than me. And some of them might've been better speakers than me. It wasn't about me going out there and being a great speaker or me going out there and being a great football player. It was about the spirit of excellence that I carry with me everywhere. Not to say that it's always been that way, dude. I've been through drug addiction, porn addiction, sex addiction. Like you guys call it, you name it. I've struggled with it. If it makes a dopamine release go off in your brain, bro, I've, I've ran that road gambling too. Um, so anyway, I say all of those things to say the spirit of excellence creates repetitions. And because of those repetitions that I got trying to be my best at whatever I was doing, be it on TV, be it speaking to those kids, I got repetitions of trying to be excellent. And so it doesn't matter where I go or what I do. I have an operating system that has an expectation of excellence, not an expectation of perfection, because when God created us, he didn't create us to be perfect. He, get, he created us to need him. And so through my pursuit of pursuing him, I'm made complete in all of the areas that I suck at, you know, like impulse control. I've got ADHD. I mean, I struggle with a lot of different things. That's why I, I had addiction issues because I found something that felt good to me. And then I just kept doing it. Joe, that's why I look like I look like now, right, right now. I look better than I did when I played football. And, and that's because there's just a spirit of excellence in my, in my fitness pursuit. Because I believe really at the end of the day, if you want to simplify it and boil it down to like two things, Joe and, and Mike, 
I believe we have two assignments as men on this earth. Give men something to respect and give God something to work with. And part of me giving God something to work with and, and men something to respect is when I walk into a room, it's not about being better than other men. But when men see me, and this is not being cocky, this is me just stating my truth. They can see a spirit of excellence when I walk in. I got a 19-inch neck and 19-inch arms. You know, and that's not being cocky, but you can't have those things. You can't buy those things. Those are things that require consistent, compounded interests and investments. And, um, and so thank you for acknowledging that and recognizing that. Mike, sorry to, uh, to cut you off. You, you know what, uh, Steve, that's, it's funny. You, yes, 19-inch neck, 30-inch uh, arms. It doesn't, I think they're like 35. But I'm saying you had that. You had that before you had the 19-inch neck and the 19-inch arms. And I'll prove it because you're right. I did have 50 guys come, luckily, to come speak to the kids. But there's two things you should know. And you should put a feather in your cap for this. Two things. One, to this day, when I have kids come back to the school, they say, hey, do you ever talk to that, that punter guy? So you should know that. They don't say... Victor Cruz, they don't say Phil Sims, they don't, they don't bring those guys up. That's number one. And number two, during your speech, you, you went off on all kind of tangents. You were, what could you do for school? What could you do after school? What could you do to get you into a school? You went on off all that, and you should know this. Not one kid, Mike, not one kid asked them, like they did the 49 other players I brought to the school. How much money do you make? Mm. What kind of car do you drive? How mm. hot is your wife? The mm. questions were totally different when Steve was in. And mm. that is because of the message he brings, not mm. because he was speaking off the cuff. Mm. Mm. Thank you, man. I, pre I appreciate that, man. It's, uh, uh, to, to me, I, I feel like, I mean, as a communicator and just a friend in general, you know, like, like friend to friend, Mike, friend to friend. It's not what you say to somebody. It's how you make them feel. Yep. You know what I mean? Like that's really like if you really want to boil down what, what being a great speaker or a motivator or a gifted communicator really is, it's your ability to, to help people feel a certain type of way to get them to take action. Um, and so, dude, thank you. Thank you for recognizing that, that man. I, I appreciate that. Well, I'll tell you how you made a lot of Giants fans feel. Um, around eight years ago. We'll get to that. There you go. Joe has Come on, man. Joe has a jersey for everything. Um, to tie in, to switch the football a little bit, but to tie in the preparation that we just spoke about and everything, did you take – obviously, you took that to your preparation on the football field. Um, what was your – you know, punters are very I, – I, I told Joe, I think punters are one of the – in I guess the major four, four sports, the most unappreciated and thankless type of jobs. Like if you hunters job, are people too. Hunters are Say people it, too. But if Say you do it, your man. job, great, thank you, amazing. If you don't do your job, you're gonna be talked about even more well more than if you don't do it's kind of like the unknown name that we will say that you took his position uh, when you came to the Giants. Stop bringing up John. <laughs> stop, stop it already. But um uh it, 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 it's almost like a thankless position. So it's interesting that that even that you played football because that's a one in a zillion chance to even make it to the league. Mm -hmm. uh, but, right. but I think it's such a, a, an amazing match for who you, you know, your personality, who you are now, that that was the position that you played because it's, yeah. like, it's not, it's like, a, it's a very quiet position, you know, right. like, so like my, my psychological, 
personality profile isn't punter, you know, and I think maybe that's one thing that Tom appreciated. Jeff Fiegels wasn't, you know, a psychological profile personality punter. He's a freaking stud athlete, you know. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there, there's, there's that to say, but to be honest with you, I mean, I hate to say this on a big blue podcast, but, and I think Joe can probably like realize this knowing me as long as he knows me, I never really loved football. You know what I mean? I loved being excellent. You know, I love the pursuit of trying to be great at something. I don't miss football at all. I miss my teammates, man. I, I miss the fans. I miss it being a big deal when I was a part of something great. Those are the things that I miss. I don't miss the game because here's the deal. I didn't like grow up playing football, like organized football you know, in the backyard with my dad throwing the football, you know, I had dreams of being a Super Bowl champion and stuff like that. But like it was, if I ever had a dream of a sport, it was, it was basketball or soccer or even the Olympics for track because I was such a, like a little peewee little dude. I was 108 pounds. I'm like, this. you know, for me to have declarations and dreams like that just didn't make sense. Joe, you know, I mean, hey, when you, when you, when that coach, when that coach came to get you, I kind of know why I can't, can't get this out of my head. The football coach came to get you. I would have been so pissed off if I was a soccer coach. Like, hey, he still, so I, I played both. I played both sports though. Oh, say no more. I agree. Yeah. How? In Tuesday, so two, Tuesdays and Saturdays were soccer games, and Friday night, Friday night lights, man. In those days, wow. those days they could. Wow. So, and the only reason, and here's the other God story wow. about that: like coaches don't let that happen, obviously, I, right? I know. And I the, coach football. And, I would never let. And it happen. the only reason that that would that my coach was willing to let that happen is he had a younger brother who went to that school, who his dad was the coach, who let him do both and earned a scholarship to go to Michigan. And so, wow. like, it was like, hey, listen, he can be a really – we can put a soccer player on the football field and be really valuable for you tobacco-chewing hillbillies. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> that's essentially what it was. Um, you know, hard-nosed football players. But if you got a kicker, they can hit field goals from midfield. And that's yeah. what I did. I had six yeah. field goals over 50 yards. I had a freaking cannon attached right, to my so, little so, body. So maybe, maybe I would have let you play ball. Maybe, maybe yeah. I would have let you play ball. Yeah. <laughs> you, believe me, dude, if you saw me kick a football in high school, yeah. you would be like, dude, you can do whatever you want. <laughs> True. We, uh, Joe and I get to speak to a lot of you guys, ex-players. Joe, and, and it's, what amazes me is how the recall of the games they have. The recall. Yeah. We, talk, I, we talked to Otis and Lawrence Taylor, and they're talking about plays from 1983, like, yeah. like specific games, and play, like, and it's amazing the recall. And so, what I want to do, if it's all right, um, yeah, I want to take you through a very short recall of Super Bowl 46. Now, yeah. before I start, I want to say that I don't know how close a punter had ever been to an MVP of a Super Bowl. I don't know, the, I don't know the, 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 the oh, oh, stop. But, <laughs> no, but I'm dead serious. And I'll, and I'll show you something else. Cause just so I'll prove that I'm not just pumping you up right now here today in 2020. I'll show you something from 2012. That Come on. Oh man. I need an ego boost, man. It's lonely out here in California. <laughs> in Nobody second. stops me on the streets anymore and says, mother Super Bowl <laughs> in front of my family in an odd way. I miss that. <laughs> That's well, hilarious. Miss, we miss you in New York, dude. I would see you at all charity too, events, man. all the things. I'm going to come back and do a men's event soon, man. We were actually literally, you know, not to interrupt the, the recall session because I definitely want to do it. But to that to that point, man, Joe, I'll give you a heads up, man. I might have you rally up some troops out there. Say and, no more. Uh, 
yeah, man, I might get 150, 200 people together if, if it's legal at some point, and I want to do it soon, man. Dude, so many people are – we need to be around freaking men right now, man. We're all yep. stuck doing this freaking crap. I love it, and I'm thankful that at least we can do this. But at the end of the day, man, let's let's get together, man. Let's level up. I am, I'm 100% in whatever you – I don't even care what you're doing. Let's do it. I'm going to do it in Jersey, too. If I do it, I'm doing it in New Jersey. Okay. Say no more. Because I think, I think I can host more than 100 people because hotels right now. I'm, the only reason I know this is because I'm, I'm doing it in Southern California in about two weeks. And it's hard to do it out here like it would be in Jersey. But in Jersey, my, yeah. I can do it in a church and there's no cap. So I'm going to get like 200, 250 people together. We're going to freaking burn it down, man. I've got, a, I've got a workshop of things I want to take them through and some exercises that are going to – just get, get things clear, man, so men can be the CEO of their freaking life again, man. But go ahead, Mike. Totally, I'm totally down with it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put church in the same category as burn it down, but I like it. I like where you're going, though. Hey, hey when, you get down with, <laughs> when you get down with me, man, we burn it down in the church. We're burning, man. In, we're burning in, it in down. Jesus, in Jesus' name. Let's go, hey, Mike. Bro, hey, Mike, 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 before you get going, I like what you said just before, Mike. I do miss him around here. I miss the stuff that he used to bring around here and, and having these parties and getting people together. I miss the polar bear challenge. I miss all the stuff he was doing when he was here. But go ahead, Mike. Get into it. Let's go Super Bowl 45. You, miss, you know what we need around here, Steve? We need a little Jesus in the, um, in the, on, man. In the New York football right hey, now. Hey, guess, guess what, man? I'm yes, a good delivery nice. system, man. I'll give you, I'll give you an, I, 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 Come around me, man, and we'll get you hooked up, Mike. Ooh. Let's go. Ooh. Okay. Here we go. Let's see how great you recall. I'm gonna. I don't know how this is gonna go. I'm gonna do the, a slight play-by-play, slight. You guys might. You guys might be embarrassed because there might be some of this stuff I have no recollection of. I don't, I don't know. I don't know where he's going with this. So I'm I don't do either. So. I, although <laughs> my recollection. No, is I like fine. it. It's exciting. Go. I like surprises. It's, it's the main things. I'm gonna say it, and I want you guys to give me your like you know 30 seconds on each little thing. All right. So. Okay. Well, first of all, Steve, how many punts do you have in Super Bowl 46? Oh, I know. I know. Four. Oh, right. sorry. Was I not supposed to say, or was I supposed no, to? No, let no, Jerry no, 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 no. Okay. I'm All right. So you, okay. you're on the board. Don't tell me you won't recognize. You, you, you won't okay. realize. You know exactly four. I didn't That's know what right. kind of questions we were gonna get. I went. I, I didn't know. know me neither. Say, me neither. How many catches four. did Mario Manningham have? No, no, it's like, not sometimes I forget what number he wore. <laughs> <laughs> it's not trivia. That's. I just started with that. All right. So first quarter starts off slow. We got the safety. Um. Then you come down. Punt. Pinned him on the six-yard line. I just want to go through, for people who may not remember, it was a 40-something-yard punt, pinned him on the six. Then you're holding for the extra point, which you also did the double duty, Correct. On, the cruise, on the cruise TD. All right? So now we're up 9 nothing. Second quarter is where it got a little hairy. Uh, your next punt in the second quarter was a touchback. Now you're pulling. Terrible, Steve. Terrible. And I will say – I don't, I don't throw my teammates under the bus. Will Blackman lost it in the light. Sorry, what? <laughs> I was going to bring up Blackman. I swear to God, that's great. And the only reason I can say that the only reason I can say that confidently is I talk to Will almost every day. He's a West Coaster, and so him and I actually do, like, some group coaching stuff I mean, together. So oh, that's I can awesome. throw one oh, under the bus because I talk to him all the time. But, I love yeah. Will. I how, love do you, how do you lose it in the lights, bro? I was up there for a half an hour, and I only kicked it 38 yards. And bro. just think it was way before he was drinking wine. So how do you lose it? What do you drink? It was per if it was 38 yards, then it was perfect. I think you were doing them 20, 40 something. So uh, oh, I remember where it hit, bro. It hit the four yard line and went between his legs. I lost the lights. Recall, baby. All right. So then you got that. Then you have another punt. Pinned him again on the six yard line. And that was from midfield. That was the second quarter. Um, even though after that, Brady had a sick drive. 
to take the lead 10-9. So halftime, it's 10-9. Mm -hmm. uh, that's where things got a little out of hand. Third quarter got a little shaky. Aaron Hernandez came down for a touchdown right out of, right out of the third quarter. Uh, then you have Tuck starting to take over. Tuck got his, his sacks there. Um, but you and your boy Tynes come down to convert for two more field goals. So now 17-15. That's beginning of the fourth quarter. Then you have Blackburn's big interception. I'm just kind of going through the, the big plays of the game. Uh, and then this is the big punt of the game for me. You know, the, the last one is middle fourth. We have Blackburn's interception. Things are getting – the defense is playing out of their minds. Mm. We decide not to go for it uh, on a – I think it was like on like the 43. Maybe it was like a 44, 45. Another mm. punt, same situation because you punted from there midfield many times. All four punts were from the same spot. And mm -hmm. them on the seven-yard line again. So these are the, those are the punts. In a game of this magnitude, a low-scoring game where no one – I mean, th th we only had 300-something yards of offense. Brady, they only had less – almost exactly 300 yards of offense. There's no real thing until Manning to Manning happens a little, bit, a little while later, which is, I guess, the reason Eli wins the MVP award. But I would say if people are going to give side youngs to guys with losing records because they have great stats, then – to be, we should really take into consideration going on the punters or people to premises hashtag that Weatherford gets, has to get a good look here. I, I would believe that you were <laughs> No, man. Listen, Eli just retired, bro. Let him have those trophies, man. Yeah. I mean, Mike, Mike, I would, I would assume, I would assume a punter needs, if you're, if you're even talking that kind of consideration, and I like where you went with that, and I love the rehash. I hear you with the four punts. I would have, you'd have to at least have six and Will Blackman would have had to pin him inside I, the wall. I've seen one punter, and you'll like this, Joe. I've seen one punter be MVP of a bowl game ever, and he's the kicker for the Giants right now. And he's wearing one of the most delicious numbers on the squad. <laughs> really? Gordis? Yeah, you guys should pull up that highlight, bro. I'm telling you what, it was saucy. It was like nine punts, like Six inside the five. It was stupid. He was hitting bombs, too. He wasn't just hitting, like, nine irons from the 42 like I was. You guys should go look up that bowl game. I think it was his senior. That was the first time I ever met him because I was playing in Jacksonville uh, with Josh Scobie. And yep. Graham Gano yep. was, like, right there in, uh, I think it's Tassahou or Tallahassee, where uh, Florida State's at, right? Yeah. Where they're at? Um, and so he, he – he, wherever they're at. But he yeah, drove up to the, to, the yes. Jags, to the Jaguars game. Um, because he was kind of like semi getting mentored by Scobie. And so I met Gano when Graham was probably shoot 20 years old, 21 years old. And then I trained with him a bunch out here in, uh, in Southern California. To be honest with you, dude, I didn't even know he was on our squad until uh, the last game that I was watching. Has he been our kicker all year? Uh, <laughs> well, well he, there was some. We had, he has, he has. He, he had us. You know, uh, uh, what have, I know Aldrick, Aldrick had some, uh, some drinking and some drug issues. And so obviously he's not the kicker anymore. What happened after that? They well, that's it. That's they it. They, so then we know, went, the we went out and got Gano and then that's been it. Yeah. Correct. The, the giant, you know, okay. everybody, they didn't, let's put Graham's going to be giant. solid, dude. He, hey, he, he is. He's a solid. Hey, look, he was a race I, look I think he came off of an injury. And that's why he did maybe, – maybe Carolina didn't uh, think he was 100% at the time. Although, you know, I'm not going to break any news of what Blackburn may have told me or may have not told me. But, uh, you know, because 
Chase is the special teams coach of the Carolina Panthers. I, I don't know if you – I mean, I know you yeah, know that. So, yeah. so I don't know what the deal was, but the Giants were not in a hurry after Rosas. Um, mm-hmm. They had plenty of options. Uh, they were going to invite X amount of kickers in, and, uh, and then all of a sudden – And Quinn's uh, still the special teams coach, right? And T-Mac's the head guy. Is that right? uh, the Giants. The Giants, T, uh, T-Mac. And Quinn – no, it's T-Mac. And so Quinn's not there anymore. Quinn – let me tell you something. Quinn has got nine lives. So – Dude, remember, hey, remember when he put his hands on me in that one game? Don't ever – Don't touch brother for Hey, you brother, listen, man. Stand, hey, I'm, I'm a, man, I'm a man of God, but I'm a warrior, too, now. <laughs> yeah. So, so any getting hey, but, back to that, but, Quinn, tell me, tell me the rest about Quinn. No, no, no. I think, I think Quinn. Look, look. You played for five teams: Saints, Jets, Jaguars, Giants, and Chiefs. Yeah. And you know, you know as well as anybody, the Giants are a different franchise. They literally take care of their own. And I believe Tom Quinn was a lifer. So even when you is he still there? He's still there. What is he in, like, operations now or something? No, Quinn is the assistant to, I think, T-Mac. Okay, that's what I thought. That's what that's I thought. Correct. Okay. That's correct. Yeah. But it was it, – I think it, he's you know, really great. I think he's a really great special teams coordinator. I think he's actually fantastic in, in a supportive role because he's a numbers guy, man. See, I was, see you, you just nailed it. Quinn should have been that five, six, seven years ago. T-Mac – is amazing. I think I think we get here. So T Mac T Mac's produced more it's, more results as special teams. It's T Max and and T Mac is doing a great job, and that's why we went and got him back. You know, I love T Mac. Giants, LSU, Carolina, what back to the Giants. So mm-hmm. so I love that he's there. And yes, Quinn is a numbers guy. I, it's funny. I always look at Quinn like I look at Kevin Abrams. Yeah. You know, like you're yeah. always going to be around. You're always going to be a great numbers guy. You're probably going to have a job with the and Giants. And they're valuable, man. They're valuable. Yes, they're valuable. As many people yeah. wanted their heads off, they're valuable. Yeah, Quinn, Quinn does a good job. Like, I was, I was halfway joking about when he put his hands in. He was a great coach. And I had a great, great relationship with him, man. Oh, dude, I, I love Quinn. Quinn. Quinn was able to get the best out of me as, a, as an athlete and as a football player. My best years with the Giants. So, uh, I'll cool. always be thankful for him. Um, what, and I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad remember, he's still around. What do, you yeah. about, what do you remember about the parade? Oh, man. Uh we had the best float, man. I was on there with Tynes and, and Dias, and they're just freaking fun guys. My favorite memory was actually jumping off the float, and then there was a band in front of us. Yeah, Joe's doing it. There's a band in front of us. And, like, it just felt weird being on a float, to be honest with you. You know, like, I wanted to be a champion. I didn't want to be, like, exalted in the streets. Right. It just was a really weird feeling for me. So we did it for a little bit, but then it was just like – we kept doing the same thing after like a mile. I'm like, bro, I want to be with the people. So yeah. I ended up jumping off initially and there was like a high school band in front of us. Crazy. And uh, I brought my helmet from the game that I played in. Cause I wanted to make sure that all of my teammates signed it. Right. Yeah. Coaches and everything. So everybody had already signed it. So I put it on my head cause I didn't want to carry it around. So here I am walking through the street, Super Bowl parade. And I asked this chubby high school kid if I could take his drum. So I took his drum and I had it mounted on my chest. Now I'm walking through freaking Manhattan. I'm in Haute, Indiana, man. I'm chewing tobacco at the same time that I'm doing this, man, just to let you know where I'm from. All right, now. Going through the street, banging this freaking drum. 
And then I don't know who it was, like Al Roker or somebody like was like, hey, let's interview this guy. And so I did an interview with a drum on my chest, a helmet on my head, and ended up being in the paper and stuff. I'll say this, Joe, I don't think you saw anybody that enjoyed it more than I did. Nope, nope, not at all. Well, real quick, before we let you go, Steve Weatherford, amazing. Thank you so much. I want to show you, I, I actually rode in a float in that parade as well. Mm. I want to show you what I was doing in that parade. This is a picture from 2012. <laughs> Mike, Mike, Mike's in Team Weatherford. Joe, I didn't know that, man. Yeah, oh, man. Hey, Come on. Bro. He wanted you he win an MVP. Some, so dude, look. He some, hey, dude, I didn't know if he was just loving on me because I decided to invest my time into your show and he was just being kind. But <laughs> he's been on Team Weatherford for a minute. Yeah. Mike, thanks, man. They made yeah. me take it. I rode the whole parade, but they made me take it away. They wouldn't let me hold it up because it was, I guess, whatever. They took it away from me, the sign. But look at the hey, comment hey, over hey, here. When, this, po- first when comment. this podcast comes out, I want you to use that photo. And make sure that you tag me on Instagram story because I'll repost that. Now. Good. And look at the first comment over here. Eight years ago. Look at the comment. You see it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my man. Yep. MVP. Hey, Come comment. I'm glad this is boosting my ego, man. I appreciate it. <laughs> hey, hey, uh, I, I got, I got, I need to say one more too, Mike, before we let him go. You know, there was one game. God, I'm trying for the life of me to figure out what it was. But we were dying. My friend Danny and I, who go to all the games, you know, the guy that wears the helmet. So I believe it was it was Philadelphia because it was a third quarter. And obviously, we don't get up in Philadelphia. You don't want to get killed. So we, we didn't do anything. And here comes Steve with two Gatorade cups filled with Gatorade for, for Danny and I. And he reans, leans over the railing and he gives us the drinks. I got to tell you, Steve, it was like drinking from the heavens. It was the greatest cup of Gatorade I ever had in my life. So for that, you have saved two lives that day in more ways than one. I can't thank you enough for that. Thank you. Um, so, Steve, thank you so much for, for, for joining us. Um, Mike and I are so happy to have uh, talked to you this long. Um, we really appreciate your time. We know you're a busy guy. Uh, if anybody out there wants to follow along on Steve's journey um, and the, just the excellent knowledge and messages that he brings on a daily basis, definitely follow, follow Weatherford 5, Instagram everywhere. And, um, and Steve, once again, thank you so much. And always stay True Blue. Welcome to True Blue with Mike Viv and LPG. I'm going to try to keep you a little straight here. Not going to happen. Joe, the license plate guy, is 